What's up, everybody? I'm Dr. Peter Bolton. And I'm Dr. Craig Spodek, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. Simply the best podcast in dentistry designed to help you maximize your practice and your life through four pillars of success. Leadership, team culture, marketing, and financial freedom, and everything in between. Now, let's get to it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Peter Yeah, you're, you're the co-host. Hey, <laughs> Craig, settle down. Settle down. And today we have our, our good buddy, our future Bulletproof Summit speaker, or fellow, I should say. Did I say future? Future fellow. Well, if, it's hey, it's going to be future. It's going to be the same. And uh, just an all-around good guy. I have, uh, I have crowned Tim in, in so many times the, the uh, smartest guy in dentistry, which he gets all blushy behind his beard. Um, but it is the, it is the truth. He is one of those minds that you're like, you listen to him talking, you're like, yeah, you're just a little bit smarter than me. I'm okay with that. But, uh, those of you who don't know him, um, you're about to get your mind blown. Those of you who do, you probably know that he is a a force to be reckoned with. So Tim, long time overdue. We've booked, we've booked a lot of time for this today because that's a big brain you got over there. Sure is. No, uh, no pressure here at all. Gosh. Well, when you were speaking at a summit in Houston, you know, I could just see literally, I was just watching, you know, sitting in the back of the room as, as, as you, as the cool kids do, right. Just watching, watching, uh, people as you're speaking, I'm watching just people's heads explode. Like what, um, you know, <laughs> and like, and not only explode, but light bulbs, you know, at the same time, like, Holy cow. So that was a, that was a fun. I really, really enjoyed having you as, as Craig did. Um, um, on the stage because that was a great, great conference, and you were you were part of what made it great. Yeah, and you only spoke for such a short amount of time too; it was like forty-five minutes or an hour, right? And then he jumped on his uh, PJ and went home. Yeah, it was a Southwest PJ, it was a large PJ. <laughs> right, right. One hundred eighty-seven of your closest stranger friends. Exactly. Went through security too. Just, uh, I was it's like, the, oh, it's a safe way to fly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for uh, for inviting me, man, and. Uh, you know, let's just let's just get this out there. It's about goddamn time. Ted, so, uh, uh, Craig is monitoring. We are going live on Facebook right now. So if you're listening to this in in uh, on the recording, no, we'll we'll try and do some. We might be fielding some questions because Craig is a uh, Craig is officially moderating, which is a lot for the slightly technical challenged. See yeah. how they're in slightly, pal. I appreciate that. I, I didn't think you were talking about me, but we do oh, have yeah. a comment. We have uh, Dwight Pecora, Dr. Dwight, Dwight Pecora. Tim is a brilliant man, wow. a brilliant man. And that's yeah. coming from a pretty darn smart guy himself. Yeah. Uh, Dwight's oh, a rock star. I was actually just talking about Dwight to, uh, we own some practices that are near his. And I was just telling my, uh, my ownership team there, there's a brilliant kid right down, right down the road from us. So Dwight, you just, you just got a, a shout out in our uh, ownership. Nice. Meeting. See, making names, making, making Making waves there, big big DP. You know what's cool about? Did you see? Um, he just he's building his new practice for the Fort Bend Dental Group um, lo- location out in Sugarland. It's uh, ten thousand square feet, and I was shocked. He has like one of those LCD like signs. I don't know if you saw that or not. So it's like the Fort uh-uh. Bend Dental Group, and then underneath it's just like this LCD sign, so you could put whatever he wants. Oh wow! Like imagine like coming today, free Invisalign scan. I'm surprised they let that happen. Usually, I, I, thought, I thought they outlawed that. Yeah, they did. Except not for in Texas. Vegas, Vegas and Sugarland are the two municipalities where you can do that. 
yeah, you could do like prime, prime rib dinner, nine ninety five. We uh, we had a, a watchfire sign, so a big one like that, at uh, one of the startups that I did, and the sign cost us fifty five thousand dollars. Holy and shit! That, that the best practice, investment ever. Check this out. That practice reached one hundred eighty thousand dollars in month ten, going from zero to one hundred eighty thousand dollars, and we only had thirty five thousand cars that go by on that street. Oh, if you had, well, it's big, but there's people who have 80,000 cars passing on a little, you know, but anyway. So look at your CPM, look at your cost per CPM. <laughs> now we, we had, we had tremendous return on, a, on an LCD sign like that. Again, we did watch fire, but there's a lot more. Now. Was that a large proportion? Did you actually put that in an ad budget, for, so to speak? So, well, I mean, mentally I did it. I didn't actually formulate a budget. Right. For it. it was just me as the partner at that time. But when I opened it, you know, let's say I don't remember the exact cost, but let's say the startup, it was six ops. Let's say it cost $400,000, $55,000 on top of that to put a watch fire sign. You know, you so know like- that goes to the same, you know, I'm going to pivot here just a second, but this is why, like when I opened, I learned my first office was in an office complex, right? And it was in a, it was in a commons where a bunch of little condos. And I, honestly, at the time it was all I could afford and it was fine, but the visibility was zero. And I, and so I had to pay to overcome that visibility. And so going forward, I said, now, you know, so every practice since I've been like, I'm either street side standalone building kind of thing or nothing. Yep. Um, because that visibility is just everything. And you kind of hit the nail on the head too, Tim. I mean, you, you, your building, your sign was an extension of your building that gave you roadside visibility, I guess, but it just makes such a big difference. And everyone's, you know, I know a lot of us go to the office parks and the inside buildings because it, you know, it's a better rent rate, honestly. Yep. Yep. But we don't think about it from kind of like that big macro view of like, Oh shit, you know, how am I going to get new patients? Is it, you know, if people can see your pretty building and they see you, then that is something that's working 24 seven. Yeah. That's, that's real estate. What I want, like corner, hard corner, CVS's, Walgreens, Chick-fil-A's. But I mean, most they- dentists are not, visible is my point. Well, well, it's a funny thing because if a dentist is actually in the office park, but he spends $7,000 a month on a busy a billboard oh. or just a billboard, yeah, yeah, yeah. $5,000 a month on a billboard. Because what could that have done for real estate? Right. And then that $7,000 a month you spend on your billboard, when you stop paying for your billboard, all that brand just starts withering away. If you're paying 7,000 extra dollars towards your mortgage payment, because you built a big boy building, it's going to stay. In I mean, was that kind of your logic, wrong. Craig? When you, I mean, did, is that how you justified the, the scope? Yeah. 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 Because at one point in my career, I had um, a budget that was $32,000 per month of TV advertising, $32,000 per month. And I was able to sustain that. I, I'm not recommending you do that. Um, one of my buddies, Randy, he's, he owns a very successful flooring business. He's like, a, he has such a funny way of saying things. He's like, I want you to go home tonight. He's like, I want you to brush your teeth because you're a dentist. And I want you to stare yourself in the mirror. And I want you to look right in the mirror and say, I spend $360,000 a year on advertising and say that five times in your, in your, and then call me. He's just so funny. And then I was like, okay, well, if I can spend $30,000 a month in advertising, why couldn't I spend $30,000 a month in a mortgage payment? And that money is not really just being spent. It's going towards paying down an asset. Mm-hmm. So the, it made a lot of sense to me. But, yeah, it's a different... You know, it's a different equitable, uh, right. At the end of TV, you have nothing other than, you know, new patients. You have, you have fading brand recognition. I mean, right. it's funny fading because, brand recognition. But, but the funny thing is, is people still, I haven't been on TV and, you know, outside of like being covered for like local things, I haven't spent any money on TV and probably Do people seven, still eight watch years. TV other than like on demand <clears throat> and Netflix and Apple and 
I have no Amazon. idea. Like literally my house doesn't, I can't remember the last time we turned on cable. I mean, like, I don't watch it. My, my wife watches this all the time. Okay. Well then there you go. There's the answer. People still do it. Tim, you've been a great guest listener so far. Thanks. For yeah. That. One of the best actually. Yeah. You and yeah. you and, um, yeah, a friend. Yeah. Don't let's, let's leave it alone, okay. but it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Tim, we got a wrap. So appreciate all your yeah, time you, today. You were great, dude. Thanks <laughs> for coming on. So let's, let's jump back though. I'm going to break this down for all the idiot dentists out there like myself. I'm an idiot. I got to put it in simple terms. What's mm. funny is that what we don't think about and how CVS and, and McDonald's and all of these companies that are businesses and view themselves as businesses, they measure things in terms of EBITDA or even better, they measure them in terms of net income. So we can go, I mean, it, 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 it's funny, an expense is an expense. And Pete, you, you alluded to this, but I don't know if y'all can see this. Is that the wrong color? You guys see this? I, we can see red. There's just a little bit of flash in the back, but. Um... That is, but we'll, we'll, whatever. So rent, like I can go and get this. I'm just going to put a thousand dollars because that's easy. And I'm tucked back somewhere. And in order to do that, I got to spend seven grand a month on marketing to generate a hundred new patients. I don't know. A hundred new patients, right? Uh, so, so those lines say one says rent says a thousand and then marketing says seven. Let's just say. Yeah. Just for okay. people that are listening and not uh, right. watching. Sure. So I can, okay, here's my option. I got two places. I can go to this place behind the way that nobody can see it. And gosh, dang it. Look at how much I saved in rent. Right. Fantastic. And now in order to get anyone to know I'm freaking there, I've got I've to spend $7,000 a month in mailers and ads and radio and all of this stuff. Fantastic. What we're not getting is that the total is 8,000 on that expense. And these okay, 1,000 rent, 7,000 marketing, got 8,000, got it. Okay, yeah, so that's scenario A. So now let's go, we've got another place and they're like, holy cow, you mean it's $45 a square foot and that's gonna take my, my rent to, we're just gonna say five grand but I have a hundred thousand cars that go by me and I can put an LCD sign in there. One time cost of 55,000. And then every, every month after I spend a dollar on marketing, that's not, I'm, I'm showing the extremes, right? Mm -hmm. People don't think in terms of these two expenses tied to each other. And what's even more incredible is that when you see, when you get more visibility and in my, in my mind, the reason I did the LCD sign, maybe the reason Dwight did is because I'm going to try not to go down a rabbit hole right now, but maybe we explore it later. Dentistry, more than any other industry I've ever seen or consulted for or been in, is about anxiety of patients, anxiety of the customer, right? So why do I put a big-ass screen right in front of them as they're driving that they can't miss? Jokes, to connect them to who I am, my family, mm -hmm. to connect them to our team. It's not like, come in and get Invisalign for 500 bucks. It's like, you know, whatever, a tooth with, a, with, a, with you, you know, some sort of funny joke and an interactive thing. Of, it's that type of stuff. Why I'm trying to just break down this, this nervousness of who, who we are. So the point being, without going down that rabbit hole, is that I'm looking at these two, two expenses as coupled. And I see that they're inverse, one, one, one. So when I hear people bragging about what they spend on rent because it's low and it's lower than 4% or whatever, and then they don't know how to grow because they don't want to go above 3% on marketing, they've got to understand that these are tied together. With that in mind, I don't want to mislead and say that you should overspend on either. You should be able to measure that return on both. No, and there's a point of diminishing returns, right? But it's finding that sweet spot that you say, like, yeah, you don't want to go cheap. And, and I think you're driving the point home. You know, finding the cheapest rent is going to make you spend the most in advertising and then finding the most expense, you know, so it's, you find that happy medium, but visibility is key, right? It's just key. And, and, um, and I made a vow to myself because I had that pain of, of the first practice I ever opened, having to overcome that. And it worked out fine. But 
I vowed to myself, like, if I can afford it and to Craig's logic, like, you know, I was paying, you know, billboards and whatever. So I allocated that marketing budget that I would have spent and said, Hey, I, I thought I couldn't have a roadside standalone building, but I actually can now because I, if I just reallocate, then it, it makes a whole lot of sense. And then I'm building you know, and then it's an equitable, um, a build all the while. So it is, yeah. it is a nice paradigm shift and it, maybe it's not for everybody. Some people don't need to do this. It's just, it's always something that I've been mystified by in terms of like, uh, locations of stuff like this. Yeah. It's fascinating to me because marketing is an expense. Whereas you build out a building right. and you do it for marketing purposes, you can capitalize that cost. So what, what, what maybe I'm saying totally different. And I don't think I've heard people talk like this other than YouTube, but man, you got to think of your location as marketing. And if you do it before the door is open, 100%. the way you, the way you capitalize that is totally different. And, and we're now we're getting too deep into CPA world and, and everyone's going to fall well, asleep. Well, I think it's a good, it's a good spot to just kind of summarize this by saying, you know, dentists, I, uh, I always, I always say this to Pete and I actually had a, an idea that I wanted to write a book about this a long time ago, but it's like the dentist, it's, it's kind of our life is under loops. We tend to see the micro and over-focus on the micro and we don't see the macro. So we don't see um, rent being an expense that could be justified for marketing or investing in your, in your reception area or your equipment or your team. We, we focus on like the 30 cent savings we can get in the cotton roll and how to do the three minute crown prep versus the crown prep that people like are happy. I mean, or seeing four patients at once or trying to just commoditize the whole experience. It's like dentistry right now, or at least for many people is kind of like the way McDonald's was in the eighties, like 4 billion served. How can I get it done faster and quicker? And why don't we attach the chairs to the table? So that's really uncomfortable. So people don't get the hell out as soon as they get finished their hamburger. And really we know that retail now and restaurants, especially even, even big box uh, retail and even larger format um, restaurants, it's all about the experience. Like Starbucks is trying to get you to sit longer. And I don't think dentistry has really caught on to that yet. I think that most dentists commoditize their patients and try to do it really fast and really cheap and really easy. And it's just not working in our favor. We were talking about rent, Craig. I know, I know, but I think it's important to look at everything is not on all the time, by the way. (laughs) What goes on all the time? You and me just busting on each other. No, I know. And I'm happy you said that because some people are sitting there driving and listening to this right now and saying like, how does it relate to rent? And it does a hundred percent, but it's your entire, your team is the largest expense of your entire operation. You know, if you're doing it right, it's 25%. Your rents should be only what, six, five, seven, eight at the max. Yeah. And the teams are neglected. People are like, oh, you know, my hygienist doesn't want to lift a finger and blah, 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 blah. And I should just reduce my hygiene hours. And they, they're, maybe I shouldn't even have hygiene. And it's just so unfortunate that people don't see the bigger picture and what's possible. That's what I meant. So thanks for pointing that out, Pete. Yeah. Can I jump in though real quick before you do, Pete? I know you got something good to say. Are we going to keep talking about rent? I'm over the rents. Yeah, I do. I want to talk. No, I'm kidding. What's fascinating to me, and again, I get to come from the outside, so I I don't know if I'll ever fully call myself a dentist, uh, but, but, and that's for no other reason than I just, I just have seen the other side and then came into dentistry, which is the unique aspect. But you are a dentist just for the listener. I am. Yeah, I am. I am a dentist. Um, But what's really fascinating to me is when I talk to dentists, even high performing dentists, they view their business as a, as a series of steps or checklists and they're not actually seeing how these things. Now, in this case, we're talking about rent and marketing, but they're not actually seeing how rent has an invisible string to marketing. Mm. How marketing has an invisible string to labor. 
you know, labor expense or capacity. It, they, they just go through these, these checklists. And so I would say any listener or viewer or whatever, I'm going to be able to watching it. Maybe a challenge is just to get on a whiteboard like behind me and, and stop listing things in terms of expense and revenue and list things just in terms of activities that happening in practice and see if you can connect how they're all tied together. Right. Once you can see this invisible string, you look inputs, at this, inputs totally and outputs, different. you know? Yeah. You look at it totally different, totally different. Well, you know, and that's, that what, that's what the micro and the macro is. When you're stuck down at the micro level, you don't see anything as connected. And then you start stepping. That's what a business person does. I mean, that's what, you know, you do. You look at from the macro. And, and I think it even starts just with vision. Most dentists start a practice and really don't have any idea about what the vision is. And it's funny to see that same dentist that has no vision for their practice, then open up an ice cream store, as Peter and I said in our book, or, you know, or go, you know, go into a, a strip center and, and, and turn on their entrepreneurial brain. But for their practice, they don't think of it as a business at all, which is very interesting. We're spoiled a bit. The business owners. This is a, you know, and I don't mean to call call out the actual practicing of dentistry and managing the the, you know, the, the what you have to do and how you have to show up for patients and in addition show up for your staff and all that. That is very difficult. But I will say this industry as a whole is really easy. You can open a practice or a business and make money. That doesn't happen in a lot of industries. So we're spoiled a bit, and all of a sudden we got cash flow and we think it's because of us. Tim, I want to I want to see if we can do something today. Let's see if we can not mention the C O V I D word at all. I'm about all right. fed up talking about it. Agreed. Um, and what I but so let's. Uh, <laughs> it might be hard because this my days seem consumed by that that this word. Um, but what I would like to I would like to get in your brain about. Let's let's go from what was me and doom and gloom to. Let's talk about opportunities that you're going to see. Let's talk about what, where the space is headed. Uh, let's talk about real life after this. Let's, um, give me, be the beacon of hope in this sea of, uh, I saw the funniest, I saw, I have to tell you, I saw the funniest post by Brady. Uh, I did that. Oh, what's his last name? Oh gosh, he's a great guy. He has a podcast called The Drilled Podcast. Anyway, I did a, I did like a thing on um, a Jeopardy thing with dentistry with him involved. Anyway, he posted something. It was and he said, "Hey," and it was this meme of all these bees attacking another bee. And he's like, "This is what it's like when you go in and suggest to other dentists, like, hey, haven't we been practicing universal precautions all along?" And it, like, and it's like these bees just start attacking this other bee, and it's like this is the dental forums. Like, you just get crushed. So I don't know. That's me going off on my side tangent, Craig, as you said, tangential. But, but you and I, Tim, have had conversations about opportunities and, and as the industry has kind of gone dark and, and gloomy a little bit, most people, for a fair reason, but, you know, there will be a silver lining. We just need enough time. And so what are you doing in preparation for not becoming a victim of the circumstances? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's mindset, right? So how am I viewing uh, this this? huge, potentially devastating thing that everyone's all of, man, business is opportunity. Like that's all it is. And what's fascinating to me about what has happened now, again, let me just throw out the, the, the correct way to say this. There are people that have been impacted by this. It has been scary for real people. Okay. Let's get, I've said that to be insensitive for sure. Business. So that way I don't get hate mail after this, just the business. I'm excited. Like what is business all about? It's about having these massive dips that just test you. And then it's about having these big successes that, that inflate your ego a bit only to then kick you right in the, and bring you back down. That's business. And so right now, what do I feel like? Holy cow opportunity. What might that opportunity look like? 
Maybe you're the one who's like, I've always wanted to grow a hundred practices. There's a really good chance you could go out and get a bunch of seller financing by organizing some doctors mm -hmm. that want to be done. That's a fantastic way to grow by not having to go through the bank. Because some people are like, I'm done. I'm out. What do you want? Are you, want you hearing that? No, I'm, I'm, I'm projecting and guessing. Okay, but like in your no, world. No, I'm hearing that. I'm hearing that. In your I, world, I, are you having dentists say like, you know what? I'm just two, done. Two. two. I've had two dentists that have said, I will consider the seller's note. Now, they have, not, they have not signed on it. And they may choose not to. But what I do know is that dentists are, there's, there's dentists that are going, I'm going to say, I'm going to say me though. I don't, I don't mean to point that, point it at me. There are dentists that are going, fuck yeah, this is what business is. It's not about mm. taking advantage of people. It's about taking advantage of opportunity. There is opportunity here more so than ever in my time in dentistry, mm -hmm. probably more so than, than a lot of people's. Right. So now when I go to someone who's like, I'm, I'm done, dude, I am so done of running this thing. I, I just want to be a part of something different. Well, here, let, like, let's talk. So yes, two dentists uh, in, in my own world. How does that across, you know, across the entire country? I don't know. But I could imagine if I was going to sit down and whiteboard it, there's probably a lot. They're like, I'm out. I'm done. You know, and, and maybe that's not a complete sale. It's just a, I'm done with the craziness of trying to think that I'm some sort of entrepreneur because this, this one has bothered me. So it's going to accelerate mergers, acquisitions, consolidation, right? Consolidation. So if that runway pre um, whatever was, was a five-year runway, it's contracted it to 18 months. Is that kind of? Uh, what I'm saying is that one, there's not going to be one answer, right? So you're, you're asking me, what do I think is going to happen? I think one of those things that's going to happen is consolidation is going to speed up in a big way. Okay. That, for I sure. completely agree. For sure. hundred percent. That might happen with the solo doc. And if your business model out there that you're listening to is like, man, Maybe I do want to go to five practices, but I'm at two. Well, reach out. Reach out and find out if there's a win-win there between you and some doctor who wants your brains and your, your centralized services to help them. So that's a good way to go. If you're a little bit bigger, man, I'm telling you, there's some DSOs that got over their skis that are about to get crushed if this thing does not come back to eight. Just because they're over-levered. Fuck it. Yes, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, geez, the, the debt ratios in some of these companies are fucking crazy well, As i just read something about aspen and i'm you know i'm not throwing i just read the article and it was that it got it it got lowered to a uh, barons put it as a dp level which means default probable yeah but and but so this you, isn't me this isn't me talking trash and no, don't sue me bro not. but it's um not. yeah they're just running their calculator i mean you think about it. what's the margin of aspen i don't know i'm gonna guess that they're 10 to 15 percent. i'm just gonna guess if we just if we just cut revenue by 20 percent at the top in projection 80%, they've got to manage their expenses in some way, shape, or form in order to even make money on it. So will they go broke? I don't know. They probably have a lot of capital to, to, to reshift. But who will? Some of these like five or 10, 10 practice DSOs that, you know, maybe even a three practice that thought they, you know, had it figured out because they heard it on a podcast. They didn't actually realize that independent practices are, are very, very difficult and it, and it can lower your margin in a big way. Too much, too much doom and gloom or no, no, it's no, it's I think great. it's, I think it's just, it's also human nature too, because like, you know, dentistry's pegged to the S and P. So we've had this iconic run, I don't know, eight, 10 years, who knows? I mean, it just defies gravity and it's running right now, which is a whole separate subject. Um, I don't know by the time this comes out, but as of now it's running and the dental expenditures are tied to that. So over the last five to 10 years, there's a lot of people and we think that they're freaking like Bill Gates of dentistry. I remember feeling so much more confident in the past, even when I wasn't as sophisticated as I am now, but 
I think there's just a lot of people that have, have never weathered a storm and, um, storms, you know, the human nature, when things go bad or when things go great, they think they'll happen forever. And when things go bad, they think it'll happen forever, but we all know everything's cyclical. So that's the real opportunity is realizing this is a cycle, whether it's a three month cycle or six month cycle, or even God forbid a year cycle or year and a half, it is a cycle. And those who are bold during these uncertain times are always disproportionately rewarded. So it's very important to remember that. I mean, I, I remember and trying to buy the land for my building in 2007, the guy wanted like $1.8 million. I offered him 1.2. He like got insulted. And then in 2011, I offered, he was asking 880. I offered him 550. He took it. So, um, and everybody thought it was crazy. What are you doing building a building now? What are you doing? Like, I was so, people thought it was crazy, but the construction costs were low. And I didn't know that. I just knew that it would be coming back. So it's important to realize nothing, nothing lasts forever. Yeah. And you know, what's really fun here, man. Uh, one, one kind of, as I'm listening to you talk, one of the main things that matters is I mean, the only thing in my mind, but, but I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be misquoted here, but one of the main things is cash flow. You know, I hear a lot of conversations about EBITDA, but really cash flow matters. And what happens if we don't have a lot of cash flow in our businesses and times like this happen, it can be a very scary event. And sometimes it can happen with someone who's a brilliant business mind and did everything right. They took that one, you know, big swing and, you know, the environment or the earth or the world, the universe came and caught them, you know? Oh, yeah, you need so much luck. Shit. Yep. Yep. A lot of people, but what might need to happen. And I'm talking to some people who maybe are listening to this and, and feeling or having sweaty palms and having anxiety. What might have to happen is that we've expanded. Oh my gosh, that's scary. We might have to shrink, Mm -hmm. just shrink, get centralized, get get a little bit closer to your core, whether whatever storm that means. And for you, that might mean low cash flow for you. That might mean ego, whatever, get a little bit more compact. And it doesn't mean that you can't explode again in 18 months. It's all about your cash flow. In my, in my, the thing that's encouraging too, Greg, I will say, let me, is talking to like guys like Tusk, um, um, advisors and such, and that the people on their side who obviously they represent sometimes people, private equity or people willing to buy, they are still getting the offers of the 12 month trailing prior to any kind of catastrophic event. And so their outlook from an investment standpoint, from people who are still putting up big money, which usually drives the valuation, meaning if they're not scared, then we shouldn't be either. Right. Well, the markets are running too. The global markets are running, well, but they're running artificially. We, hey, well, hey, so, hey. Yeah. well, that's true. It does. Yeah, I see what you're saying. We have it's no revenue. Dennis, Dennis, right. It's all correlated. And dentistry right now is at this particular day today, it's not producing the revenue that it was and, and the markets are running. So it's, it's just, you know, like we were talking, the jobless reports came out and the market's running. So that what that means is there's this pent up, um, belief in the economy. And I, I actually it think also we're going to have meme that from the, from Twitter, the printers. Uh, this yeah. is the, just so you know, I'm going to call it right now, Tim. This is no, his little, this no, is no. little, no, he is. He, no, no. he puts it in the ground and in about within the next five or seven minutes, Bitcoin's going to come out. Just that's how he puts it. I mean, stake it is a half no, no, in three days. It's yeah, a half in three days, Craig. I know, I know. It's a big event. It only I'm comes not, like Haley's Comet every four years, and it's about to happen in three days. Just give me a little room, Dan. No, I know, I know, I know. But there's big minds. That, yeah, I think Bitcoin, I'm going to wind up eating hey, all the words. Everyone knows who that. Paul Tudor Jones is. Looks like he's on my side too now, pal. I know. One of, my, one of Pete and mine's mutual friends was talking so much shit 
about Peter and Bitcoin. Like, oh, it just went through like this Bitcoin UFO and Bigfoot type of conversation. Like he's throwing that, those three categories. History usually um, proves the winner correct. And then Peter and I have had this so many times, like we lectured at DIA and he was wearing a Bitcoin shirt and I was just busting on his ball, uh, just busting on him the whole time. And um, sure enough, it went up like 60% since that. So I'm, um, I'm done ragging on Bitcoin for sure. Um, Tim, so um, I was not going to ask you, I was going to ask you something. Well, that, can I jump back to something you said that, that kind of just that hit me and I want to hear what you guys would yeah. say. So first off, this really isn't about Tusk. I trust them. They know it. What I'm saying is, hey, these are just whiteboard predictions based on what I'm seeing, but also not a lot of data to it. It's just, this is what I would do. And that's uh-huh. what, you know. So would you pay full price for a practice right now? No. No, no. So, but, but yet Tusk is seeing that they're paying full price. That's right. interesting. That's interesting. What they offer on an LOI and what they close on are different. Uh, I am not doubting Tusk, but me personally, I'm not going to pay that. Right. Well, also, is it for bargains? And also, yeah, it's also, you know, that's you're talking about. I mean, one of the major services that they, they, they offer is practice brokerage. So, yeah. just like a real estate, I'm not taking a ding at them, but I'm just saying a real estate person will say, list your house with me, I can get you full price. But I don't, I don't know. I mean, it just, I, I think compensation drives behavior in some ways. Right. And, and, and for, let's just make sure that this is not about Tusk because uh, no, for sure not. Yeah. No, they're great. They're they are awesome. I don't know. The podcast is awesome. Yep. And I, and I subscribe to their stuff and they're fantastic. But what I'm saying in my little section of, of my world, I'm not paying full price. And you know what? People are agreeing to sell less. So I don't know. I'm not sure. All right, all right. We hope everyone is getting massive value from listening to this podcast. If you are, we're going to ask a couple things in return. First, review us on iTunes. If you don't know how to do that, the easiest way is to pick up your phone, open the podcast app, click on the album art, and then scroll all the way through the episodes, and you'll see review at the bottom. Go ahead and bang out the stars that we deserve. Second thing, if you haven't signed up for our text uh, list to get notified of special offers or the next summit or whatever it may be, uh, make sure to text the words bulletproof to 33777. That's 33777 and the word is bulletproof. Third thing is we've got the book, as most of you all know, but we've also got the audible version that Dr. Spodak spent three days in studio and it was an arduous task and he crushed it. He really should be an, an audible book reader. And last, if you haven't heard, uh, we've got an amazing deal with Merchant Cost Consulting, and it's for processing, and it's a uh, check out that episode. But if you want to get hooked up with that deal, make sure to uh, go to the landing page, bulletproofdiscounts.com. That's it, everyone. Hope you're having a great day, and we'll see you soon. So th- this brings up something that, that, you know, Tim, we're along, and no one's ever been able to give me straight answer well i guess i have gotten straight answers but where do we all of a sudden ascribe to valuations being a percentage of collections well because dentistry because the banks right yeah what because of the banks that's what they would because no, dentists don't know what ebitda is so know, you have to know what we're doing like why would you yeah i mean you can't pay hey i got a and you guys already know this but i'm just going to go through this because you asked hey i got a 10 million dollar you know top line revenue and you owe me 90 percent of that but my actual take home, you know, profit, even a net income, whatever is $4 yet. I'm paying 900, you know, whatever the hell, right. It's totally, it's not tied to revenue. And I don't know how that happened or why that happened, but, but in the last three years, there's been this kind of, I don't know. I don't know why. In fact, Tusk would probably have a great answer to this, but 
it's it started to bring it back to the value the value of a business like a true like every other business values their business yeah and it's fascinating to me because you go out and put money down to buy an asset your asset better produce enough profit to pay your debt payment because otherwise that's a weird place you're in if it only gives you 3000 but your debt payment is 6000 you're going to be losing money every single time right. Mm-hmm. So when we tie it to collections, that's the problem. When we tie it to valuation, mm-hmm. we should get a little bit closer. Now these EBITDA valuations, I'm fascinated to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Like, is it going to be six and a half? Is it going to drop down to one and a half? I, like, this is going to be fast. Where would you buy right now? Tim McNamara, where would you, if some Like, this is, this is hard. I'm going to tell you what I'm doing. I'm yeah. going to the dentist and saying, seller finance this note for me. And I'm going to, I'm going to give you some sort of earn out. If you can hit, you know, hundred percent of TTM uh, trailing mm-hmm. 12 months. Like, let's work through this. I'm finding buyers that are really interested and in a lot of pain that just want support and help. Uh, and that, that's where, uh, that's my zone of genius, I think. You know, is to be I able agree. to get the dentist and help them see that invisible stream. So I'm finding win-win partnerships right now. I'm not buying people out completely. I'm finding these, you carry the seller note. You bring the system, the ops, the acumen, the marketing acumen, and then and it helps, it helps get the ship right and everybody wins, right? Yep. Yeah. Interesting. And by the way, Pete, when you ask the question, why did we, why did we get off onto the percentage of collections? Because if you ask a hundred random dentists across the country, what does EBITDA mean or net profit? They can't define it. So they know their collections and everybody, I think it's a, it's a pandemic in dentistry to just to chase collection numbers and big, big numbers. And I mean, even when you talk to some dentists, like, well, I produced a million Oh, that's awesome. Well, we collected 600 though. Like it's, why would you even say that in the business conversation? Mm-hmm. Why would you say we were, we were projected to do 17 million in sales last year. That's like, well, how'd you do? Like, we did four, but you know, but our projection was freaking awesome. It's like yeah. not including the sale rack. You had to put your items on, right? Like, well, they, well, they were for sale for, for, you know, $10, but we sold them for six. <laughs> yeah. $6 I, I just, our bank account. The, the whole idea that we, I, on a daily basis, I have to have conversations with dentists telling me what they produced and they're so proud of the number. But you did, but what hit your bank is is so much less. Why why do we even talk production then? It just means it's actually it's painful to say I produced one point six and collected eight hundred. That's actually a pain point, not a proud point. So it's just I think it's the comp, the the valuation as a percentage of collections. We all understand our collections and we all can understand our percentages, and that's why. But if you look at what most deals transact at, you can back them into EBITDA calculations, and they fall in the same place. So if someone may get a 99% of collections, but their EBITDA is awesome. And then they get 70% of collections because their EBITDA sucks. So it's just kind of, it all. Are you a habitual entrepreneur? Because you just extra, you just sold a practice and then you're kind of like feeling good about being clean from practices. And now you're like, yeah, I'm back in, I'm buying them. I love it. I can't like, it's like your crack. (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, the plan is always to stay in, in dental ownership. So uh, yeah, exited some practices and then and then just bought some more. And um, yeah, I, I think that you know that there's a curse here. That there's you know an entrepreneurial spirit in me that that, that is why blessing and a curse. It's yeah, a blessing and a curse, right? Yeah, I could have stayed as a dentist and, and spun a drill. Um, and and I don't know. I, I know you guys have my background, but just really quick and see some of them don't. I I went to to you know school, graduated college with a finance degree, and then went to consulting. Uh, for for a company that kind of did strategic consulting for boards and helped tie strategy to tactics inside these big businesses. So billion dollar business. And a lot of hospitals, right? So I had some healthcare experience. So I started in, in one company with 44 billion, well-known company. 
and, and was helping them out with the team, uh, learning more than anything at that phase, and then got switched into the healthcare side and was there right as the consolidation of healthcare was happening. So this was like early 2000s. Mm. Kind of started a little bit before that, but there was this consolidation activity all over the place. And so I was on, you know, the team that would listen to the board strategy, go out and they acquire, I don't know, 100 clinics and we make sure those 100 clinics act like the mothership. What's fascinating about this is I kind of reached a point in that where I was like, I want to take a little retirement from this. What should I do? And I went to dental school, not knowing that dentistry was like having the same beginning of this, this consolidation. Right. And really? I got, yeah, I got into dental school uh, thinking I would own three, four five practices and just hang out. And really early on found out that I, I had some unique background, not so much because of what I had done, but because of what mentors and the team before me had taught me. And all of a sudden now I had a different, different path in front of me in, in dentistry. Um, so yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how unique that is to others out there, but I have yet to kind of find someone who's had a, a similar background. And then, then I bought and sold some practices and done a lot of coaching and consulting. And one of the best moves I've made is I've joined uh, Dental Whale now. And some of the things that these guys are doing, mm-hmm. that they're putting together in terms of you know, using artificial intelligence and using, using um, uh, some of the tools, and, I, and I'm being coy for a reason here, but using some of this to really impact the industry. Oh my gosh, man. It, it'll take, take seven whiteboards. Like that's how exciting things are over there. Right now. So seven beautiful mind whiteboards. Yeah. No, it's interesting. Yeah. I've got this thought. I've got a thought. I, I just, and I, I think this a lot. I just wanted to hear you guys spinning it. Um, you know, you say it's a blessing and a curse when you say your, your, your talents. I do find, and maybe it's just anecdotal on my own, my own biased opinion, but I, I find that people, dentists who get into entrepreneurial dentistry, um, it's usually that they had a very brief clinical history into dentistry. So it's, it, I find it rare, like a Peter, for example, who goes in and spends like the first 10, 15 years of his career, like perfecting his craft and AACD and all this. Like, 18. Whatever. I mean, you've been out for a little while, but you know what I'm saying? Like really re- refine his craft and then pivot unless they get injured. I just find a commonality of entrepreneurial dentists like yourself, Tim, that either A, had a very limited career in clinical or be like get injured and something changes what, what what's your guys thought on that is that something that you guys think think about or agree with or not so much yeah Pete, you want to go you want me to yeah go? I, I do think there's i think there's a dna component um craig even though i you know clinical i was still expand. i was always entrepreneuring expanding i wasn't satisfied with one and i knew the fastest way to do that was being me being um you know so would you say, Pete, you like mastered, de- you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to make it egotistical, but did you see no more, like you couldn't revolutionize your own personal craft any further. There was nothing more dynamic to do. You know, I was, I wasn't, I was only really good in, and uh, you know, I have a very narrow, narrow lane of what I was really good at in dentistry and nothing else really resonated with me. I like the art artist of, you know, cosmetics and such. And honestly, if you kind of look at the 10,000 hours I kind of did that. I kind of mastered quote unquote that aspect of it. And that's what lit me up. And when it didn't light me up as much, I knew that there were, and, and I recognized that the days I was having admin days or working on my business, I literally had to keep myself in bed. And the days when I was going clinical, 
it was <sighs> hitting the snooze button a couple of times. And to me, that was, a, that was just, it was just a pivot and it was an evolution. And, and I had been suppressing it all along. When I was growing up, Craig, I didn't have, I didn't really have many jobs. I had a pressure washing business when I was 16 and in college. I had a printed, you know, it was like all these things. It was, uh, it was just, I was entrepreneurial from the get. And I think it had been suppressed from a long enough time. And I think my position, your, my zone of genius is kind of like Tim, you had mentioned that is, is really more like I am happiest when I'm building and growing and creating. And I'm happiest when my hair is on fire, even though I bellyache about it. Um, so I don't know if I answered your, your question there, pal, but, um, but I think some of it's just a DNA, you know, some of it's probably a DNA thing. Um, some of it's a self-awareness and I may have, so, I suppressed that self-awareness for a while. Well, I think you were growing, like, you know, imagine you at year three or four following Hornbrook around and all that stuff. You're like, oh my God, I got so much work to do. Oh my God, I got to learn so much more you know, dental XP and you're swallowing up all this information because you, you could see massive growth. And I think something happens at 10,000 hours, you, the excitement of just transforming your skill set may wane. I mean, for me, I can draw to like, I was, I did a lot of big prosthodontic cases and did all that stuff. And then Invisalign, like seven, eight years ago, I'm like, imagine if I could just do Invisalign all day, that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. And then I did that. So now it's like, you know, it's just, it's interesting how it all Tim, goes. T- Tim, let's hear you. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a thousand thoughts on this. One, I think, you know, DNA, I think that, that it exists, but I also think, you know, like there's a trigger moment, as you guys are speaking to. For me, my trigger moment was I'm, I'm rolling out strategy or thinking through strategy for, a, you know, an $8 billion, you know, a year top line revenue for a hospital. And I'm thinking my strategy is better than theirs. And I'm being paid as a consultant. And I'm like, okay, hold on. I've got to, I've got to check what's happening here. Like maybe I should go build my own. And I didn't mean build my own hospital. I just meant build my own thing. So I had a trigger moment that I was like, hmm, I need to go do something different because now I'm feeling like I'm in the mud. I'm no longer, you know, I'm not feeling energized. So uh, for me, when I look at dentistry and I come into dentistry, what, what is fascinating, and I talked a little bit about this at the Bulletproof uh, Summit, is there's this freelancer owner and there's this entrepreneur owner. You know, and this freelance and, and, and what I think happened, and I think that it, we're not mentioning the C word, but I think post C word, you're going to hear influencers less enthusiastic about opening practices and having multiples and ah, life is good because they're going to go, holy shit, that was hard because life was good. But now I see what a dip looks like and feels like, and this may not be, you know, I'm not as excited about it, but it feels like in dentistry, everyone is talking about be an owner, be a multi-practice owner. Get out there. If you're really striving, dude, get on stage and talk about the six practices you own. Meanwhile, they're only talking about top line. They're not talking about debt. They're sure shit not talking about net income, even net profit, whatever calculation that shows what you're taking home. So for me, when I see it, I see dentists as this freelancer and this entrepreneur, and both of them are great, but we got to understand who we are. And I'm going to try not to go off too much on this one, right? No, but go I- off, man. So important. So okay. important. Okay. Don't go right. off. Go don't off. Cut and paste someone else's narrative. You know that's what the we Craig and I always say. Like just because it sounds good, don't don't you know be real with yourself. Go ahead, Tim. All right. So freelancer would be uh, an artist, right? An artist gets paid for the quality of work that they do. They paint. They spend a long time on this on this you, you know whatever this painting this 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 pottery whatever, and then they sell that. What they've actually done is they've taken money for the time they invested in, right? Uh, lawyers, attorneys, those are freelancers. Like I bill you by the time I spend consultants, that's freelancing. Dentistry is freelancing. So I'm, I'm billing you for the stuff I'm doing. 
entrepreneurship is totally different and entrepreneur. And, and I'll get back to why I've defined freelancing like that, but entrepreneurship is different. That is, I'm going to put systems in place. So my freelancers can be happy and make their money freelancing. And I make money on the top of that freelance work. That's entrepreneurship, a, a commitment to systems and leadership and working on your business, not in your business. Dentistry is fascinating because most people start out as freelancers and then they hear a podcast and they go, holy cow, I need to go own four practices mm -hmm. or, or they go like this. I'm a freelancer. I'm great at it. We're doing $2 million a year. I'm the reason I'm the man. This is easy, but they yeah. put 80% of that revenue. Mm -hmm. So they're just a, a big freelancer and they go open something on the other side of town. And guess what? Practice two now is shit because mm -hmm. freelancer, the big freelancer can't be in two places at once. And you'll hear it all the time where practice two is supported by practice one or vice versa. Practice one was big and I went over to practice two and practice one takes a nosedive. The now, EBITDA actually goes down. Yeah. 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 And they're stressed out. They don't get it. But the reason why is because they are a freelancer and they're trying to be an entrepreneur. You've this is so important. Mindset. You got to switch your mindset to understand that if you are going to open multiple things that require you to be in different places, or if you're going to go big and have a huge practice that's going to require your mind and your energy on different things than freelancing, producing dentistry, you've got to start seeing your business as you providing a space, systems, leadership, energy into the people who are going to be producing. And once you see your business like that, the whole freaking thing flips on its head. You see that you win on EBITDA. You don't win on revenue. It's totally freaking different. And the better, the better space you can provide for your freelancers, the bigger your thing, the bigger your, your company goes, you know, the, the more dialed in you are on your expenses as a, as a, as an entrepreneur, more dialed you in on your expenses, the bigger your EBITDA is, the more dialed in you are on your revenue and your sales experience and the patient experience, you know, the more the revenue goes up. That is how you win on the Delta between revenue and expenses. That is what your focus becomes. Most dentists don't understand that. So yeah. uh, before just one more thing I want to add to that is backing up to freelancing. Dude, dentistry provides everything we need, mm -hmm. everything we could possibly need. That is why people became dentists. Somewhere along the way, a lot of people got confused that they need to be this multi-mega practice owner instead of the exact reason they got into dentistry, which they could do that connecting with patients and being a freelancer all day long, forever, retire happy with a lot of money. And somehow, some way they got spread out. And that is who I end up coaching all the freaking time, as I'm sure you guys do. Well, it's all economics. The, what drove the dentist to believe that they are not artists, or if uh, I call them artists, you call them freelancers, and want to be manager leaders or entrepreneurs, is there's a huge business around that of people that say, dentist, you need to be CEO, you need to be this. Total bullshit. You can kill it with one, like three people in your office. Kill it. Three days a week and kill it. And life is super uncomplicated. It's just, I mean, it's, I keep saying as you, you're talking, it's know thyself, know yeah. thyself. And I meet so many people that say, I want what you have. I want what Pete has. I want, and, and, and when I find out why do you want it, there's nothing there. So if you're going to have to eat glass, as you always like to say, for five years building something, you better yeah. have a compelling why that's going to pull you through the COVIDs and the, the, this and the hygienists going crazy, all that shit. If you have a big enough why you can get through anyhow or anyone. He said what? it. He said it. He said well, I don't know, whatever. The, you know what I'm saying? But if your why is so big and your why could just be, uh, you know, I, I take this from Tony has a way of, Tony Robbins says it's artist, entrepreneur, or manager, leader. 
And when Tony and I first met, he was with his friend and they both laughed and said, you're an artist. And I love being an artist. Michael Jordan is an artist. You know, he's probably an entrepreneur now, but the, you know, it's, it's okay to be what you are. And I think it's, there's no space in dentistry, especially in the consulting world to just say, whatever you are, that's really cool. I've talked to people before and they said, you know, I, I do $1.6 million a collection. I work three days a week and they call me and say, I want what you have. Well, why? Cause I want to make money when I don't sleep, when I'm, when I'm sleeping rather. I was like, well, how about you make less money and not even sleep? Cause that's not what you want to do, you know? And I think it's really important. No one talks about that because there's no business around, Hey, be you. There's no consulting business around, Hey, be you. We'll teach you how to be you. Cause then yeah. you want to buy that. And look, if it doesn't, I think maybe you guys heard me say light, light you up because, and Craig, you said it as well, that it's not, if it doesn't light you up, it's not sustainable. So if going in and doing clinical dentistry is your thing and, and then, and it lights you up and you can't wait to get there and do right. Then, then know thyself, stay there, double down on your superpower and hire for your weaknesses, right? You can still get scale, but just recognize that you're not going to be the scale person, right? You can take some of that discretionary and come hire a COO, but don't for a second think that you can be the artist who gets lit up by doing the clinical artistic work. And then on your side hustle, be the COO that's going to grow practice two, three, and four. I see that being an impossibility because it's not going to light you up the same. Um, and Craig, like you said, through crises, through downturns, through depressions, that's when you get gut punches and the, and the light gets kicked out of you a little bit. And if it, you know, and you only have so much and, um, Tyson, everybody has a plan to get punched in the fucking mouth. The face. We put that on the back of our, look at this. Tim. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a, on the back of our play manual, Tim, uh, the playbook from the, the summit, each other, but literally the field manual from there. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Everybody's, Everybody's got, got a plan until they get, until they get punched in the face. By the way, and I, I'm just going to say one thing, Tim, you have a lot to say here. Tyson, not to get tangential, one of the most brilliant people on the planet. I mean, the, what comes out of his mouth, if you can just get by the speech impediment and his ridiculously high voice, he's just brilliant, that dude. But go on, Tim, this is important. Know thyself, hit it. Yeah, yeah, all I was going to say on, is talking guys. about Tyson. This is how profound I was going to get. Did you guys see the video of him just, just recently in the last week of, of him working out? Yeah, machine. I was machine. like, oh, shit. you haven't checked that out. Oh so talk about a guy who, who knows who he is and is, is just still focusing on his crap. Like, my goodness. So uh, to your guys' point, and, and I said this in, 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 at the summit, and what's fascinating to me is like, what's step one? And this is why I started out with this on, on the presentation is what's step one is to know you're calling it, know, know thyself. If you understand that what's, what lights you up is doing dentistry, or you understand what lights you up is a deep dive on your business where you're in there documenting and leading and spending money on becoming a better CEO. And that's just exciting to you. That's the whole reason we took a chance and built a business is so that we could build it for ourselves, not for someone else, hopefully. And if you find yourself in a situation where you're like, why did I get into business? Just start writing down, what do you love to do where you can kind of escape into the universe and not even realize time is passing? And now go back and start to build your business that way. So I'm going to use an example. Let's say you are a freelancer and you're fantastic and your business is booming and you can't stop it. Like it's just going and you connect with patients and they leave a five-star review and they refer seven people. But now all of a sudden you got to manage Sally in the front. You got to figure out your books. You're dreading talking to the accountant. You hate figuring out your expenses. Dude, you've got a big business that you could, and, and this is going to be case by case, but 
if you have enough profit in that business, look to replace those tasks that you hate. And I don't mean go to the dental office down the road and, and hire that person's office manager. I mean, go find somebody who's doing something bigger than your dental office. Maybe, maybe, it's a, maybe it's a hospital administrator, maybe it's something, and bring them in to your practice to take, take care of the crap you hate. This seems so elementary, but I would say, I, I'm not even like, damn near every single dentist I've ever spoke to forgets that they own the business and they can hire to replace for the tasks they hate. Do they take home a little bit of money? Yes, in the beginning. What ends up happening is they outgrow. So they end up being in their zone of genius. They've replaced this, this drag and this person loves that area and that complements each other and they end up growing. So it's just a way to look at your business and see how the invisible string is tied to everything. And by the way, that whole idea of like, I do clinical four days a week and I'm going to take one day off of, I, pre, I collect a million dollars. I do clinical four days a week. I'm going to take off one of those clinical days to be COO or CEO. Okay. Well, that's 250 grand that you're paying yourself as COO. What if you got a COO that was a hundred grand? You're 150 grand better. Like what's your highest and best use of what's your hourly production, your wage for that? If you like doing dentistry, and you want to take off time out of your clinical practice because you want to do the ops, you got you to put a number to that. And, and slowing down is, is not always the best thing for that. It's better if you, I think the most important thing that we're kind of see, saying here is there's, you know, the lighting up and the zone of genius and the, all those talk I keep here in my own head, I keep thinking of energy creating and energy depleting work. You said it yourself, you know, if you're in your clinical state and you love it, and you're like, oh my God, it's time to go. I haven't even like gotten to the bathroom yet today. That's your flow and that's where you need to be. And just whatever you are, embrace it and run with it. I think it's really cool. And there's not a lot of that voice going on. Um, anyway. So, oh, no. What do we got here? We got a text here. Yeah. Oh, my um, God. Pete, that's a big deal. So I think, I think what I, uh, I think what, what, what's fascinating to me, Craig, is that when we do business, like we're just going to call this startup land or acquisition land, you know, we, we take a little bit of a hit. And then we find a little bit of growth and we think that this thing just keeps going. And then we start to measure in a bad way. If we have a little dip, you know, and that little dip could be all sorts of things. That little dip could be the office manager quitting on you with no notice. That, that dip could be shoot. Maybe you messed up on an implant. And all of a sudden you're finding yourself in some like threat of a litigation. That little dip is part of what grows you. So we grow in the dips. This is where we grow right here. And what ends up happening is that I see dentists get really, really, I'm making weird circles here, but dentists get really down on themselves because of some weird feeling or thought that everyone out there, everyone else in social media land is growing like this. Hockey sticking, uh, right? Growing like this. Yeah. You know? And so what's fascinating to me is like, let's just call this the C word, COVID. Take this thing right can hit it right between the eyes and go big, whatever the fuck that means. Maybe that means that you now re recognize that I don't want to be in the business I'm in. I want this totally different. I want to be an entrepreneur. I need to replace myself. I need to take the actions to start focusing on systems or whatever. This is where we grow in the dips and it allows us to go there. And now we're here and we're like, I hate doing X, Y, Z. I'm going to hire a COO. This is scary. I need to figure out my cash flow. Can I afford this? What do I need to do now? I need to open on Saturdays and be the dentist that does that so I can grow. It's a dip. And what happens 
is you replace yourself, you have what's called a COO, like every other business that's doing like over 1 million a year or 2 million a year has. You have a dip, and guess what? COO and you together take you here. That's how we grow. And so, Tim, I think this is important to point out because there's a phrase, and Craig, I, I'm sorry that you already cracked on me for crypto thing, but there, there is a phrase, and this is like, like stocks, like crypto, like anything, and there's a phrase that's like buy the dip, right? And so people are, what should, are waiting to plow into the dip which is where we should be doing the same thing. Like, Hey, I had a dip now, don't now push, push all in. Right. Cause like, what are your choices? Like push all your chips in and go, don't, you know, so I, I see what you're saying. If you zoom way out, like that little fractional, that little fractional, you know, pandemic, if you zoom way out was just a boom was just the next yep. was next. That was the next lower uh, high. If that makes any sense. Yeah. And, and so investing for you is where this goes. I'm going to, use a different analogy here. I, I think I consider it a spring and I've talked to people about it. Like you compress that spring, further you compress it, bam, the bigger you jump, right? So when you are feeling this dip and things are happening, you can't keep it up and you're like, oh my gosh, everything is against me. No, you're a spring. Just compress, compress. Give me more. Give me more shit universe. Cause I'm just getting tighter and tighter. Bam. I'm going to explode up. You know yeah. It's an inflection point. It's a breakthrough, breakdown, breakthrough. Yes. You have to re every little kick in the nuts is like, is this the beginning of the end? I should pack up and go it's small just or we're just or, mortals, but, it, but, you know? but it's Darwinism. It's literally business Darwinism. It's like, okay, this came on what next universe, just like you said, and you redefine yourself. You're like, no, I am not a victim to this. No, I am not going to go out of this. No, I am not. And you come out like, fuck this. I'm on. And that's what, I mean, every professional athlete, it's like, you know, Conor McGregor says talent is, doesn't exist because talent, you know, it's just hard work and every dip is an inflection point and either you pack up and get small or you say, fuck it, I'm going to come out of this like a, a lion. Craig, you the, rip, biggest, you rip the biggest thing you've ever said that has impact on me in, in, the, in the time I've known you, and I say this all the time, is, is life isn't really the absence of like gut punches or problems, right? It's, it's in, it, it, happiness comes from, I mean, happiness isn't the absence of gut punches or problems or whatever, right? It's just how we deal with them and like getting higher and better quality problems. And I think you, in this scenario, you get, you get a life experience and then you get the chops to kind of work your way out of that gut punch. And that makes it a better quality thing. And so I don't know that I always think about that when I go through the woe is me is that like, Hey, this problem is better than the absence of having any problems because my life would be like worth nothing. Right. If I had, does that make sense? Yeah, of course it does. I just okay. think it's, I think it's, it all starts back with your, your headspace. And right now, I mean, before we started hitting uh, record, we, you know, it, there, there is, it, it's easy, you know, when you, you know, when you're talking to a person that's doomed for failure, when they tell you exactly why everything went wrong. Well, I had this, my office manager quit. And since the office manager quit, blah, blah, blah. And they have it all. They have this really shitty emotional story and you just, it's taxing to even listen to it. You know, this happened and this happened. Then you talk to like entrepreneurs and people who are really, really globally successful. And it's like, yeah, that happened. But then this happened because of that. And there's always a silver lining. All the big things that have happened to me, and I can point to so many examples of them. Every single one has led me to a greater uh, benefit, a greater understanding. It was all for my growth and all for it. But even still, I'm human. I'm human. And when the bad things come through, even when they start coming through now, I'm like, oh, fuck, this is going to be immortal. Fake, you know? Immortal. So Tim. I think it's going through life, getting your ass kicked consistently and never getting beaten down is, is a key. 
Jim, through all of your experience through obviously mentoring dentists, being involved in a lot of practices, consulting, being involved in networks that you've started, what has been the biggest underlying problem that you've seen that's causing the most pain in the industry from an ownership perspective? It's easy. Ego. 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 Yes. Dude, ego. For whatever reason. I was not expecting that. (laughs) So in my mind, I have not been around an industry so overwhelmingly, you, you know, the performance is tied, the ego is tied to the performance. Uh, I'm better than you. No shit. Wow. It's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of mind blowing. So it's crazy to me because dentists have such big egos. And, and now there might be other industries out there. Like this is just my experience. You're asking me my, my experience is this. Dentists have such big egos that they'll make decisions that will change their entire life because of a comparison to another person over here doing something similar. Like it's all, and now that's human nature to compare. Don't get me wrong, but damn it. If I'm like, how did you end up in this situation? And when we start to like go back on it, I'm like, holy shit, your ego is driving all of this. One, your ego is driving decisions you're making in your business Two, you're not even looking at numbers anymore. You're just emotionally fucking a wreck and you're just going based off of feel and ego. Uh, and two, no one can really relate to you because your leadership sucks so bad because you have no humility. Like you just, you, you think that leadership is you out in front of them and you don't like leadership is you behind them. Craig, how's this landing on you right now? As far as what? It's just, this is fascinating to me. Like I've oh, never heard someone say it so succinctly and like yeah, to the point, like no, it is amazing. so true. It's amazing. And honestly, like I'm, I'm but self-reflecting I mean, the, the cause, right here, Tim. The like cause is, is, is so, so much. simple and beautiful. Keep going though, Tim. Yeah. Keep going. Well, I, I don't. I mean, I, that's it. That's it. I come into the industry and I, I am guilty of this. I'm guilty of this. We all are guilty of this. I am. Your, I am. your ego is the root of all your fucking misery. All of yeah, it. But why is it? I mean, why is it systemic to dentistry versus? No, it's not. It's everywhere. I yeah, but it's the reason why divorces happen. I mean, it's like we, before we hit record, it's like when relationships turn into transactional things, like where your wife is like, you took, you take out the garbage because I cooked or we right. do this or any partnership or any friendship. That's, so let's that's pull your ego, ego aside. Let's pull You're, ego aside, Tim. With the exception, I'm going to ask that same question to you again. With the exception of egomaniacs, or not egomaniacs, but just you know our own human beings getting, human getting being. in the way, what would yeah. you say from a yeah? What would you say the biggest systemic problem is in, in ownership or dentistry or you know, say ownership? Because I think just putting it to dentistry is a little too hard. What would you see? Because you usually consult and you talk with, you know, with, yeah. with own, owners. So what would you see as the problem? Yeah. So what I, what I, um, I want to try to say this without pissing off the whole industry because, because I've had fantastic mentors that have allowed me to say good things and learn things and, and everything is because of them. But what is really interesting is that there, in, in dentistry and in maybe any situation where we don't quite know the answer, we just follow blindly. And in dentistry, and I'm going to relate it to social media or whoever our leaders are, sometimes people are standing on stage saying and talking about things they've never done. Mm-hmm. And what ends up happening is, is now they're standing on stage because they've had a little bit of success that may not even been because of them. It might have been because they opened up in the right spot. They overtook something. They're not even being honest about what their situation is, but it's all smoke and rainbows and mirrors and whatever, right? right. And they're up on stage and they're leading our industry. And they're maybe not being uh, transparent. So now I say that because what happens is dentists, and, and it's a de- it may not be a dental thing, but this is what I'm noticing in the industry. Dentists will 
follow that advice without vetting that advice. And so what ends up happening is now they get behind a leader and they're like, tell me more. And the leader's like, well, shit, I don't know, because I actually just read a book that was written in the 80s. This is Craig's pet peeve, too, if you don't mind me speaking for you, Craig. But it is like, and I guess mine, too. Like, it's literally like people are consulting inside a dentistry who don't necessarily have the chops to be consulting because they've never been in that position themselves. Sometimes, uh, maybe I'm not saying that right. well, as long as it helps them, I, 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 what drives, what the pet peeve is, is not, you shouldn't be up on stage um, because you don't have the street cred. It's you're teach you're telling dentists to do something that you've not done. And the worst thing you can do is guide somebody to a place that you think is good for them without having asked them what they really want. I think that's, that's my pet peeve. Yeah. So, so to expand on it, so that way I, I, I get it out and it's not, it's not misconstrued what I'm saying. What I'm, what I'm getting at is that it feels to me like there's a lot of recycled and regurgitated content and, and ideas that aren't real other, they're they're not really my ideas or your ideas or whatever. It's a book that was written in the eighties that we're trying to apply now. And we're not really going to tell anyone the secrets. It feels to me like there is not honesty about what I can speak to and can't speak to. It's, it's glamor. It's, uh, it's a lifestyle that I don't actually have. And social media has made this really, really, really easy. So this is not a dental thing, but this is the reality in dentistry. So when we have dentists who have a solo practice leading mastermind of, and when I say solo practice, meaning a, a small solo practice lead one time leading a mastermind of 20 dentists on how to do multi-practice or do a DSO, it gets confusing to me, mm-hmm. right? You, you don't have a idea. You have never done decentralized operations. That doesn't make sense. Or if you have someone starting a DSO, to try to get other dentists to come along with them and they've never done it. I've seen that three, four, five times. And it's, it's fascinating to me that dentists will sign up for that stuff. So I think in a roundabout way with me trying not to be terribly direct and offensive here, it feels to me like dentists need to vet who and what they're following. And also uh, things like the C word needed to happen to check the egos a bit of those mm. leading the industry and recognize that what their words are and what they're saying has impact because the people that are following are followers. So too, too deep, maybe too abstract, maybe, but. No, I, I think that's, it's perfect. I think that's, I think that's a good advice. Like, but I also, I, you know, I, I, I want to just remind the people that are listening to you right now, you're not coming from a place, Tim, cause I know you well, you're not coming from a place that's not fair that these people are on stage and it's not yeah. that they're not credible what, what you're speaking to, and I believe you have just a really profound depth of experience in it. They're not helping these people. That's yeah. what sucks. Yeah. So you take a dentist and you, and you charge them blank thousands of dollars and you don't actually add value. That yeah. sucks. Right. And even worse than that is take a dentist who's an artist or a freelancer who has pride and now strip him of that because like, oh, you only have one practice. Like I've been in so many rooms where like, you know, people will introduce me and like literally how many practices do you have? Like one. And they literally walk away. And then like someone else will say, well, he's got one big one, but it's like, there's this like scarlet letter of like, oh, you still work. You're still clinical. And that's such bullshit because dentistry is beautiful. I can't wait. I can't wait to be around my patients and my team. 
I mean, I have the most amazing patients and team. That's my zone of happiness. That's where I show up clinical. And Pete used to rag on me all the time. Because like when we Pete and I first got together, he's like, oh, fuck, it's clinical today. And I'm like, and he's like, you're probably happy as shit. And I've had so many dentists always tease me like, you're probably happy as shit. It's clinical day to day today for you. And, and he's like, and I am. I am. And it's just, and he's like, nothing. dude, I got to go. We'd get on the phone. I'd be like, I got to go, bro. I got to go. I was like, oh, go crush those IPRs. See you later. And, and it's funny, but it's, it, there needs to be a voice for that. There's nobody on a podcast or that I, maybe not nobody, but there's a paucity of people saying it's okay to be a freelancer. What an awesome profession. It what absolutely great, is. And that is always so, our narrative though, bud. I know, but it's just, it's, it's a self-awareness thing. Yeah. It's a self-awareness. Know who you are and what you love and, and double down on and that. And that's why you and I work well, you know, together. And we, because we bring both sides of that you are in your flow when you're with your patients and team. I am in my flow when I'm working on the business for benefit of my patients and team. Right. But that's where I, there's stress for me too, Pete, because you, you, in order for me, you can actually do 100% of your activity in business right now and help everyone. I can't be 100% clinical and help everyone. There needs to be the steward it's, of the business as well. No, we're close. It's fake news. I can't really do much. What do you mean? Oh yeah, we're close. Right, right, right. I know what you're saying, but I think it's just an, I think, uh, I think there needs to be more voice in dentistry that it's okay to be clinical. I really do. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what, that's what I'm, you know, feeling is, uh, and just to back up, what I'm not talking about is just consultants. I'm talking about vendors in general, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, I'll mention a mentor of mine. David Lopez is a mentor of mine. Uh, he says bad profit. I say it in a different way, but what does he mean is that you, you're, th- these companies are making money in the wrong way. And what it, how, how are we talking about it? They're selling you things that aren't helping you. But dentists, it's on you. You've got to vet it. You've got to understand it. I use consulting. 100%. Example, but dude, there's a ton of things on your P&L that this post C word, post COVID world should make you just go through with a fine tooth comb to make sure that that company, what they're selling you makes sense. And it Tim, actually, I, I, I will I, say that, that my, um, my pet peeve in dentistry is listening to, how do I say this? I have been exposed to seeing what some people have been um, trapped into from a dental marketing standpoint and Craig, I, and, and so that's kind of my battle cry is like trying to expose that a little bit and show people that it's not this like this mythical brew that, that you can't figure out yourself. And Craig, I would say yours is probably, you know, the financial aspect and making sure that dentists don't get taken. I, I just think we, we get taken advantage of all across the board. Oh my God, everyone's so financial the, services. And so Holy hold on, hold on. Shit. So like to the fact that like we just need to, I think the overarching theme and, and what Tim is saying is kind of the consultants possibly and the people on stage and the leaders. So it, vetting should happen in, in marketing. It should happen in, in every vendor relationship you have that you're really relying on people to drop, move the needle in your practice. It's so, it pisses me off so bad when I see a dentist that's spending, I look at their contract and it's a 6000 $7,000, $8,000 marketing contract. And then I look because I know what to look for over the trajectory of that thing. I can look at analytics and stuff and, 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 and I see that it didn't really do anything for that person. And that's just a massive amount of financial bandwidth that you could have just plowed and clobbered it, you know, with modern that, day. Yeah. And, and that's what just, I think. That's a commonality. But that, and then that the, affects that's a commonality. It is a, a commonality. commonality. It just well, no, sucks this is, that we are prayed upon. It's a commonality for all three of us. This is why we all get along so well. We, every time we talk, we talk for three hours because our values are, are the same. We just want, we don't want to see our profession our, and our colleagues get jacked. We this is what it. makes it, it hard. It drives us all crazy. I think. 
I mean, if, if I can be so bold to anyone listening, it's, it also falls on the dentist. Like stop, stop being someone who can be taken advantage of. And so right. what does that mean? Understand the, the relationships you're getting into. If you want to be that entrepreneur dentist, understand that the way you're going to get out of the chair is through your EBITDA or that final number that you're taking home. Make sure you've normalized your P&L so that your EBITDA is accurate so you know what that looks like when you're not producing dentistry. But understand that every single, every dollar going out the door is further away from you being free of the chair if you're that entrepreneur dentist. So make sure every dollar makes sense and is having some sort of return, either in energy that you're, that you're preserving or revenue that you're growing. Just so every Tim, th- I, I, wanna, I wanna stop here because I wanna ask you more about this. And, and um, there was a scenario where I was having a, um, a discussion with a colleague and they were explaining how that it was an expenditure that they weren't willing to give up. And when I explained it, that it's not just costing you $10,000 a year to provide this benefit that maybe no one appreciates at exit, it's actually going to cost you $60,000 a year or $60,000 because our exits are predicated on EBITDA. So if you become obsessed with it and start rationalizing some expenses and the way you kind of run your things based on six times of your profitability, you become your business acumen becomes elevated just like that, right? If you look at that in that it, it, and through that set of lens, your, your acumen is, it's not just the, it's not just the saving the $10,000. It's the, wow, when I someday have to sell this asset, it becomes six times as more valuable if I can increase that EBITDA. Yeah. Well, well let me say it differently without an exit to it, right? So an exit is, is maybe someone's wish, but maybe someone doesn't want to exit. So check this out. The $10, $10,000 you're spending here and you're a freelancer and you love doing the dentistry, that's $10,000 less from the COO that you need to hire so that you can just show up every day, happy with a big smile, see your patients and go home because that's the guy or girl who does all the dirty work behind the scenes to keep it all together. Uh. You're further away. Every dollar you spend, you're further away from your freedom if you don't understand, one, what you actually want, and two, you're not going through your P&L with like a magnifying glass to know where that next dollar needs to be going to to get you closer to what you want. So what the, you, you mean, you mean, you mean shedding, like you hear the people like, I love doing this and I hate doing this. And my day is filled with this. So you're saying that that $10,000, instead of being an EBITDA thing can literally go to deploy, take the things off of your plate that you hate. And it makes your life miserable. Beautiful. Yep. It's, and then, by the that, way, the dude. person that you hire loves what you hate. Yes. So the ops person is like, Oh my God, I love this. Look at this opportunity we have. Well, what do I need to do? Nothing. Just go back in the chair and start producing more. Okay, yeah. great. Do I need to do anything else? No, no. But no, why I do you got have this? this right? Yeah, I got yeah. this. And that's what, I mean, that's Steve Jobs and Wozniak. I mean, that's, uh, that's every iconic partnership. That just kind of gave me chills because it's so true. And that, and, you know, and that is like, you talk about moving the needle in your happiness. Holy shit. You yeah, take off I've, 50% I've got, of the stuff you don't want to do off of your yeah. plate. And now all of a sudden someone else is doing it and you're making more. It, and you're probably, and what happens, Tim, and you probably see this with some of you know, the people that you coach is that everything goes up in a course. Yes, that's the thing because you're in your zone of genius. I'm going to, I don't have to make, I'm going to draw it because I love it. Tim, where's the zone of genius? I forgot what book that comes from. I loved it. I remember reading that somewhere. The what? The zone of genius. I remember this from a book I read. I just coined it himself. No, it's actually. No, no, it's from a book. No, everything. Yeah. Everything I say, I've learned from other people and then my own experience. So I don't know where zone of genius came from, but I can't tell you freelancer and entrepreneur. The first kind of person who opened that for me was. The big leap, Craig. Yeah. What a great, yeah. What a great hey, one. Uh, hey, we got a question too. I want to hit while you're writing. Is that, yeah, oh. let me, let, let me just, 
finish this out because I want to show this. This is what I'm getting at. Is so I'm going to call this happiness. Happy. What I do, what this is the biggest thing that I'm like, man, we're not seeing that there's this 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 string, this invisible string that ties everything together. Well, here's your P and L. And most dentists look at this as a checklist, like here's what I got to do, and I've got to hit this amount of numbers or whatever. But dude, this is tied to this. So this is what I'm saying. Like uh -huh. your expense columns here, you should be looking at it in terms of this lens from this way. That, that's what I'm trying to get at. There's it's a just a function that. of creating that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that, dude. There's a string that ties everything in a business together. You just got to open your eyes to see the string. It's all connected. The dollars you're spending on, you, you use marketing, on this marketing company that's supposed to give you freedom so you're happy is going opposite because it's taking you away from someone you could hire who does the marketing or who does the payroll or who does whatever that gets you to your zone of genius. Uh -huh. it's, it's totally insane that we don't see our P&L as our freedom. Yeah, we just see it as, a, as an exercise in making sure we're on track. On track for what? This I did this because that you know yeah. that that book or whatever, but it's not. It's your tool for freedom. Uh oh. oh and also the freedom, the idea of freedom. By the way, I always talk about this with my father. My father would oftentimes tell me, like in the like the last boom that we had, he would tell me all the time. He's like, Craig, like I look at my stock portfolio and I could retire today. I was like, oh, that's awesome. This is you know what two thousand six seven. I don't remember the fuck it was, but. I was like, so what do you want to do, Dad? He's like, well, no, I really love working. I'm like, okay, so perfect. So you can retire and you, you don't, you, you could retire if you want to, but you don't want to. And then literally four years later when the economy crashed, he said to me, he's like, Craig, my stocks have gone to nothing. I'm going to have to work forever. I'm like, well, that's perfect. That's what you wanted. And, and, it, and it landed on me. I, I do this too. So it's like, if we could just, freedom is, just, is uh, I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole because it's, it's just too like kind of, uh, soft to, and I don't want to get picked on by you guys, but freedom is actually just a mindset. And there are people that have tons, they make tons of money. They make three, four, $5 million a year, but they burn five, six and $7 million a year and they're trapped as fuck. And there's people that make 60 grand a year and they've got hundreds of thousands in the bank and they're never going to spend more. So it's, it's, it's really important. Well, about I mean, I think mental look, space. I know that it, that's statistically proven the 60,000. I'm not talking about that per se. I'm saying using your, I want to stay in the zone of uh, specific to Dennis Craig, because I, what, what, what Tim just said resonates as opposed to looking for your expenses to solve the things that make you, you know, look at your P and L in order to solve the things that make you grumpy pants all day long. Yeah. Well, there's three, three currencies, emotion, time, and money. So using money to solve your emotion and your time pain points. There you go. You know, that's simple as what's that. What's the question? You, what's the question from uh, one of our eight viewers? Um, so Seth said, how would you solve the problem of quote fake mentors, especially when they haven't actually done what they are preaching? That's easy. Tell them they fire them as your mentor. Yeah. Or when you have one, just don't, you know, he's not. And also Tim, one of the helping. things I, whenever I talk about marketing stuff, I know it goes, sometimes it goes over people's heads in this. And I, and I do say like, this isn't for you to grasp everything that's, that I've learned in 18 years kind of thing, but it's really what you want to do is have enough acumen about what you're having to have comp to, to be able to have the, the know-how to say, yeah, I know this, is, you're full of shit. You just need to learn enough about stuff that you don't want to do to, so that your bullshit meter goes up when you're talking to someone. <laughs> That's it. It's almost like this. And I feel almost like I brought a negativity to, to fake mentors. And that's not, I want to step back and say this in a, in a way that, fake news. that I mean, what I'm saying is that 
you can't, if you own a business, you need to get to a point, you can't shortcut the knowledge that you need to build in order to mm -hmm. understand your business so that you can be taken advantage of. You've got to somehow be able to recognize bullshit when it's right in your face. And, and there is no bigger thing in your life than your business to take the time to actually learn what you're trying to do here and to know who you are so that you can sniff out bullshit. Why? Because it'll show up right on your PL, which will then put you in a weird spot for happiness in this particular invisible string. So I don't, what, what I have encountered is 80% is of, of mentors, dentists, everyone, they are fantastic. And they're just, they mean well. But what's happening is, as Craig was saying, and, and you guys have both said, what's happening, and I sure hope that I, I, I say this in the right way because this is forever recorded. What, what's happening is that we don't know what we actually want. They, we maybe can't articulate that. They're projecting what has maybe worked in their life. Maybe some of the stuff they've heard from other people that, that, that has worked in their life, and they're trying to coach you through it. Really, the onus is on us. Like right. We need to know what we're not doing for. it with bad intentions either, right? Even the 20% are not doing it with bad intentions. They're just doing it because they want to say something and it may be just, but yes, the onus is on us to, to vet and do diligence and all these things. Um, I hear you. I like that, actually. Do you like it, Craig? No, I love it. I love it. Um, and, you know, the problem is, is experience hurts sometimes. And I hear people wanting, and it's amazing to go through life. And I guess I'm 48 now, I'm older than both of you guys. And, and be at yes, a point, 48. well, no, I, I guess it's because I'm 48 that you, you just, it's an interesting thing to, to admit, you know, less and, and get to know yourself a little bit better and, and, and give yourself a little bit of grace. There's so much, um, there's yeah. so much stuff we pile on ourselves and you get some email from some consultant saying you got to do this. And then your buddy's doing this. And I'm working right now with a doctor who I love. He's a, he's a great guy. He's part of our mastermind. And what eats this guy up is that he has partners with these two other people. And then they went off to start this really large DSO. And he always talks about, it. I'm like, who the fuck cares, man? Like, let it go. And I, I say that to him, but I also say that to, I say it in a, in a kind way, like, don't, don't relive these painful memories. You know, who yeah. knows? Don't We're outwardly compare We're, we all are. And my wife's such a great spirit for me for that, or a guide for me for that, because it's like, if you're going to upwardly compare, be fair and downwardly compare. Do you have the, did you, did you, do you have the millions of dollars that you're upset that this guy, but you don't know what he's dealing with. And how many yeah. relationships and marriages have we all looked at and be like, man, I wish I was like Sally and Tom and then Sally and Tom get a fucking divorce or like, you know, or like, geez, I wish I was like Robin Williams. Cause everywhere that guy went across the goddamn planet, people would walk up to him and say, I love you, man. I, you're the reason why I became a doctor. I love you. I love you. I love you. And he hangs himself with a belt strap. So the point I'm trying to make is that, you know, comparisons to the thief of joy. We always talk about that. And just a daily activity of, of cultivating gratitude. Pete, you've been very good with me about that. Pete and I have had this great relationship where at times I've been his savior and, and feeding it to him. And then he turns around and gives it back to me as well. And, and we have a very open relationship like that where it's like, hey, you're being a fucking asshole. You're being an idiot. And I think that's, uh, everybody just needs that. And that's, that's how you know you have a good mentor, by the way, when that mentor is telling you, here's how I fucked up. Here's what happened. Here's how things went awry. Here's when I feel dark. Here's how I overcame that. Be real. And if you're up on stage saying you got life by the short and curlies and you think you're a rock star all the time, that humility and that ego, that's going to eat you alive, man. Because you're up there and you know that's not the truth and something's going to break. I, I think I think it's fascinating, man. And you know, I the way that you say it is how you see it in your eyes. And for me, the way I say what you were just 
kind of going through there is just in the dips is when you grow. And I can relate it to so many things in my personal and professional life. And, and, and even in order to know that it's bullshit, I had to experience the bullshit, you know, in order to know that that person might be embezzling, I had to be embezzled from, you know, in order to know that this partnership is great. I had to have really bad partnerships and every single thing that's come along the way has been a dip for me. Yeah. And, and that dip is not good or bad. That dip just is. It's the scar wow. that you learned from, right? That you can yeah. look down and be like, yeah, I remember that. I remember how this goes, right? Hey, Tim, let's put it, let's, let's do this. I want to use, I want to get you, I want to keep going with you, but I also want to make this kind of a part two and let's get you back on immediately as a part two. Cause I really want, and I think a lot of people out there know you from a systems and an ops guy. And I would love to, to focus a little bit more on that. Um, so would you be amenable to doing a part two so we could really coat a little bit more whiteboard? Cause I know that's your zone of genius is that thing behind you. Um, it's your beautiful mind. And, yeah. and part of that part two, by the way, we got a question, Tim, can you dig into that stuff um, that shows up in your PL and some examples of how to maximize that freedom? Yeah. So that's a profit maximizing. We can get like a real granular, yeah, like how that. to maximize your profit. That'd be awesome. Is that a cool? Yeah, love it, man. Love it. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's cut today. And everyone, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. We'll see you guys next time with Tim. Peace out. Take care. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, thank you, guys.